Nothing says Christmas quite like Charlene Unger, a demented housewife from Berwyn, Illinois, whose bubbly enthusiasm for singing in her nightgowns is paired beautifully with her obsession for growing poinsettias. Created by comedian Peter Mohawk in the 1980s, Charlene was a huge fixture in Chicago's entertainment scene, appearing on Oprah with Cyndi Lauper, in a cooking drag queen TV show pilot with William Shatner, and even featured on the cover of NSYNC's final album, Celebrity. Today, Peter Mohawk looks back on his career as Charlene Unger as we talk about Chicago's nightclub and comedy scene of the 90s, artificial intelligence art and drag queens, sharing a dressing room with Patrick Swayze, and her obsession with poinsettias as a kooky old lady from Berwyn, Illinois. I'm Fausto Fernos. I'm Mark Fillion. And this is Feast of Fun. Before we begin, let's listen to Charlene Unger singing about her favorite holiday, Christmas. Christmas comes but once a year, and Santa Claus will still be here. I want a boogie woogie woogie. I got a boogie woogie woogie. I got a boogie woogie woogie. Woogie on Christmas Day. Hello, I'm Charlene Unger, UNGER from Berwyn, Illinois. And you know, Santa is so busy right now with all those boys and girls on his nice list that he's appointed me, special elfette Charlene, to take care of all the grown-up boys and girls on the naughty list. And you know who you are. So why don't you have me zoom right into your house and you can tell me everything that got you on that naughty list. Oh, by the way, the nice ones are welcome too. <laughs> A diamonds and pearls and Ho, ho, ho! Our guest today is Chicago actor, singer, dancer, model, comedian, and housewife, Peter Mohawk, best known as Charlene Unger, a demented lady from Berwyn, Illinois, whose bubbly enthusiasm for singing in her nightgowns is paired beautifully with her obsession for growing poinsettias. Thank you. Uh, Who am I speaking to right now? (laughs) I think it's the ghost of Santa. (laughs) <laughs> I think it's some sort of a, a non-binary Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> now, you and I uh, shared a stage together at a Brazilian-themed restaurant called Rumba mm-hmm. in the late 90s here in Chicago. Yeah. It was, uh, there were three entertainers, and we sort of rotated nights. It was, you were uh, as Charlene Unger, and there was Delilah Bouvier, who lip-synced to Ima Sumac was her signature mm. bit. And mine and- was sort of like a bastardized Lion King slash Puerto Rican fire-eating drag princess. <laughs> and yours was a suburban housewife from Berwyn, Illinois, who loved to sing. Well, yeah. Well, Charlene Unger is a former USO girl. Oh, oh I didn't know, you realize didn't know that. that? No, yes. no, no. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, when I, when I originally uh-huh. created her in 1981, you know, uh, she was a USO girl back in the big one, WW2. Oh, wow. But nowadays, that would make her almost 100 years old. Yeah, my dad fought in the war, and he'd be 103 if he were yeah. alive. So so uh, I had to change that. So now it's it's Vietnam. Um, 
and in another 20 years, yeah, like, keep it light. You know, I, keep it light. Yeah, it, it'll be uh, the Persian Gulf, and then it'll be, um, you know, um, the Ukraine. So <laughs> who knows? Now, Char- Charlene Unger started in 1981 uh-huh. uh, as kind of a prank or something? It was a response to a woman that you it, met. It was based on a phone call, yeah. just just a voice that yeah. she was calling for my sister. My name is Charlene Unger. <laughs> and I thought that was the name, but it was so funny to me because, you know, the odd couple was so popular on TV at the time. So when she said that name, I thought, well, this could be Felix Unger's sister or, mm-hmm. or, or whatever. And um, the name stuck. And I just... I was telling friends of mine, this woman called, I think that's what her name was, and this is how her voice, that's how her voice sounded. And um, <laughs> so uh, we just invented, friends yeah. of mine who were, who were still in school as, as theater majors, we just invented who this woman might be, what she might do. And um, then I finally materialized her that following Halloween where I was a singing waiter at a German restaurant in Chicago called Matt Eigler's Casino. <laughs> which was really popular in the 40s and 50s and, okay. and started to have its uh, downswing by the time I started working yeah. there. But, um, Did you bring the downswing in? or <laughs> <laughs> I put the nail in the coffin. <laughs> well, Charlene might have because okay. um, I w- it, was, it was Halloween and my mother was giving, uh, my mother used to send, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. there was hand-me-downs mm-hmm. to our relatives in Poland who had no money. And so my wealthier aunt had all these lavish gowns with sequins and marabou feathers that she gave to my mother. And it was around Halloween time. And I saw this th- this box and I said, these people in Poland have no use for these items. But I think maybe Charlene Unger does. So I put one on and I said, you know what? Halloween is around the corner. So I found my, my grandmother's old wig. I turned it backwards so it looked sort of like a Carol Channing thing. And, and I, I always thought that a, a woman that had a little of voix du poids, as we say, a little, a little extra girth around the hips, was, was very believable and convincible. So I gave Charlene this enormous behind. Um, and <laughs> Baby got back. <laughs> she well, she so, had a bit of a belly, too. And kind of like a— She's a fupa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was Fuba's fat upper pussy area. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, and she liked. Uh, she she was from Berwyn, Illinois. So, yes. you know, for people in Chicago, it's a it's kind of a running gag, right? It's a Svengoolie. Berwyn. Berwyn. Yeah. Why is Berwyn like considered funny inherently to comedians in Chicago? Because it's. Berwyn yeah. is the first one of the first suburbs west of Chicago. Okay. And it, it originally started as like an enclave mm-hmm. for people of Bohemian descent, you know, a Czechoslovakian Uh-oh. Slovak. Not not like artists and hipsters, but actual people from, from Eastern Europe. Yeah, which was called Bohemia. Oh, okay. I actually sat on the throne of Bohemia in the Czech Republic. They had the Did castle you? and they're like, <laughs> nobody was the guardian yet. And I was just like, I went up there, had my picture taken and got off. <laughs> oh, how well, got off the throne, not, you know. Got so, off. so like in Berwyn, Illinois was a place where a lot of like uh, awkward people from Eastern Europe sort of settled? Or? Yeah, well, yeah. they you know, because originally they settled more on the uh-huh. south side of the city okay. and then, then they moved further west. Um, as 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 the city changed, but it was a very blue collar area, a very Republican area. Um, so very conservative, very uptight. Uptight, and yeah. it, it. But then, as years went on, uh, recently Berwyn is mainly of like a Mexican population now. Mm-hmm. Um, and but back then, when I grew up, Berwyn was this magical place because we had my mother's best friend, who was born the same day as she was. Um, 
they, uh, her husband, whom we called aunt and uncle, her husband yeah. came from Berwyn and he was Bohemian. And they'd always talk about our friends, the P-Sex in Berwyn. And as a little gay child, when someone P-sex. says P-Sex, you know, your mind just goes all over the place. And Berwyn at the time had a lot of Bohemian restaurants that had like facades of, of Bohemian castles. There was the old Prague restaurant. There, there was there was Klaas's Bohemian American restaurant. So when you drive down Cermak Road between like um, Austin or between Central Cicero mm-hmm. and and Harlem, you see these the, these facades of buildings that looked like you were in Europe, and they would light up at night. And so three times we drove by there, I just thought, Berwyn is this magic place where our friends the P-Sex live. <laughs> 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 and so I thought Charlene would, she has to be from Berwyn because I you know the the flavor of Berwyn was uh, just. Middle middle class European based white people who yeah. just did things their certain way and and I created Charlene and said you know she was she was a USO girl and I thought you know and she's had this illustrious career in in Vegas as one of Dean Martin's gold diggers and um, <laughs> and as bad her daughter is named Francine because Charlene got into a little trouble back in the late sixties and so she's not sure if the father of her daughter is Frank himself. So, well, that's the thing, like, you know, working as a I was a wedding singer slash DJ around that time period. And you would drive out from the city. You know, Chicago has a big urban sprawl and you go to, uh, you know, Aurora, Illinois, which is famous for Wayne's World. Um, There's Schaumburg, birthplace of McDonald's. And, you know, certainly Berwyn, which people remember from your act and also Spanguli, Right. And so you get to these these suburbs and your mind starts racing, like, what kind of people live in these homes? Right. Yeah. And so yeah. there's a timeless kind of quality, uh, a camp kitschiness That's to exactly it. Exactly. It. And, you know, like if you ask me, like of all the drag queens or drag artists or characters I've ever run across, you know, Charlene Unger really is one of the top um wonderfully weird, campy housewives who, you know, puts on this fun outfits and nightgowns and has a little too much to drink and starts singing and dancing. And so it was really to me, like the funniest thing I ever saw you do was we had been booked for a fundraiser for a film called for the love of Shaka. Yeah. And it was a uh, filmmaker, Derek Mathis, who was a writer and a journalist and a, and a, and a filmmaker. He uh, back then you did a crowdfunding campaign by having a party at a club. And his assignment to everybody was like, I want you to do a performance based on one of Shaka Khan's songs. And everybody brought whatever their style to Shaka Khan. And I was just like, I I was way over my head with this. And so my thing was really weird and strange. And I was like, it was a lot of edited music and stuff. Yours, uh, you came out singing "I'm Every Woman." Well, my first piece was, um, was yeah. "This Is My Night." This is my night, and and then how does that song go? This is my, my night. Yeah. I'm. Oh, I got. I don't. I, I, that's all I know. Remember, but <laughs> but it was it's been a while. It was one of the times. Yeah. And you know, Charlene has two sisters: her kid sister Connie and her half sister Henrietta. Yeah. And so, uh, in the. 40s and 50s, they formed a group called the Unger Tones, which was based on, <laughs> which is a rival group to the Andrews Sisters. And so, <clears throat> pardon me. So I thought this is a wonderful opportunity yeah. to, in, to, you know, to involve the Unger Tones. So we had Charlene and the Unger Tones do I- I'm Every Woman. And um, it was, 
It, it was absolutely glorious. I mean, it was it was a it was a thrilling performance. It, it just just to be performing it with with the two girls and to, and to feeling you know that audience reaction. And it was a mob of people there. It was huge. Yeah, and it was a uh, what was the club? Uh, it was. Uh, it was. I'm thinking crowbar. Was it? Yeah, it was. It was a huge it, back in the day. You know, Funky yes. Buddha crowbar. It wasn't Funky Buddha. It, it was, was crowbar. crowbar. Yeah, it was. It was just a giant venue where you know on a Saturday night you had three hundred to five hundred you know drugged out gay guys with great bodies dancing on the floor, and you know us misfits are there in drag, and we were like, I don't know if anybody's gonna like this thing and stuff, and and people reacted to you like you were a rock star. Well, that's thank you. I, I, yeah. And um, you know, I, I have to thank Alan Lewis, um, uh, who's been my artistic inspiration for so many years. Who was the one who who had the um, social connections mm-hmm. to to get me uh, no noticed or known by by people like like Derek Mathis yeah. and other people and it, and it was Alan his uh, character back then is called Ms. Alana and Ms. Alana was was the MC that's right she and, was a Chicago drag legend too yeah and yeah. And, and and now Alan is a is a very successful actor in Canada um, at at the Shaw Festival and. Uh, so you does a, like a lot of like rhythm and blues uh, Broadway musicals and touring and stuff like that? Uh, no, he does or? straight plays. Okay, so, I mean, you know, but he was like touring for a while. He, he was touring. He he was did the national tour of the of the musical Ragtime. Ragtime. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, but it was it was through Alan that um you know because I, I was doing my Charlene shtick, mm-hmm. but it was Alan who was the one who who knew all the people who knew all of the club kids. And and that's how I got you know Silky and Jojo and me and yeah and uh, Bird Bordeaux and oh yeah 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 so we're dropping some names here for people like this is we're taking you back to <laughs> the, the days in the nineties and so you know like and there was a you know this kind of school of uh, performance that you kind of developed a character sort of you know very much like uh, Mike Myers with you know Wayne's World well, that, that's how I you yeah. know I. If people ask mm-hmm. ask me if I'm a drag queen, well, you know, nowadays drag queen is like you know the RuPaul stuff, and I'm not. I I, I kind of like to compare myself very humbly to like a white Tyler Perry in the sense of uh, how he's created a character, you know, character Medea who lives on her own, uh, uh, who survives on uh, on on her in own films, merits yeah. and stuff, and who has a real life. And Charlene has a has has an estranged husband, Uncle Jimmy, um, who left her. I think in Vegas because he wanted, he was so in love with Wayne Newton. God only knows, not Wayne Newton, Liberace, excuse me. Nah. Um, <laughs> you know, um, and, you know, and she has her, her daughter, Francie, and her sisters. And uh, in fact, her sister, Henrietta, is married to Frank Nutsack, N-U-C-Z-A-K, who has Nutsack sausage in Berwyn. Um, it's a wonderful. It's 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 a prime sausage company. So, um, so, so I have a Czech friend. His last name is Dick Sip. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, how sad. So, yeah. <laughs> so Czechs have some funny names. You're right on that. <laughs> and you know, like uh, Rumba Restaurant uh, definitely was ahead of its time. And you know, unfortunately, the owner died uh, from AIDS, and the family took over the restaurant. I, I, and the new owner was this like heterosexual asshole who kind of resented owning a gay business, and so promptly sh- uh, shut it down unexpectedly. We, I. I 
Yeah. Do you don't remember that or? No, because Jeff. I think you had uh, stopped performing. After, you had moved on to other well, gigs at the no, time. No, what happened was yeah. the building was sold and it turned into that uh, condo development called the Dakota. The Dakotas, yeah. And it was uh, Jeff. Uh, what was Jeff's last name? He owned the building that. Um, that the manhole. Oh, what's um the bar now? Hydrate. Yeah, the the hydrate is now he owned like that that whole block, and so so he owned that building. So and then um, Steve Abrams was the manager, and now right. now Steve is a wonderful realtor and does his own production stuff. Um, and Tony Marchese uh, ran. He and Steve ran Rumba, but then Tony moved to Palm Springs, and he has a wonderful restaurant out there. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I I thought it was that um, because they sold the building because you know there was a billiard hall right next door mm -hmm. to the north, and that mysteriously burned down one January day. Mm. Well, um, you know, uh, Steve Abrams actually uh, was a realtor that developed this apartment. That really? In. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Coincidentally enough. <laughs> wow. But but uh, yeah but yeah so Rumba and, and so it was closed down by the by I guess the heterosexual family and I remember very vividly them coming in. The guy was like gloating like like a cartoon. He was like, "I'm closing this." Faggot business He's down. Taking all the money. Wow. Da, 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 da. And so people were like spitting in his food and he was just like knew they were spitting in his food. And he sat down and he like had his steak dinner and stared at the waitress. Like really? Like like a fuck you face as he's well, eating. Well, the Dakota the, caused all that yeah. controversy because it was, you know, yeah. one of our gay clubs gone. Then it becomes this condo for rich white people. And then they move in and then they complain about, about the, the noise. noise yes. And there's public hearings and it was just like people just go away. Yeah, it was a real yeah. shame. Like, Gentrification, yeah. Yeah, oh, leaning to your mic sorry, so yeah. I can yeah, hear yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and so you know, part of it, it was like it was it, there was a lot of promise at that time for all of us, you know, for you mm -hmm. and me and Delilah and and you know, and you went to LA then at that around that time. I, I moved to Los Angeles in '98, yeah. and, yeah. and and Rumba closed around 2000. Yeah, uh, that's right. And so, you know, but it was all those uh, years previous of performing at Rumba that gave me such a repertoire. And when I got to LA, I, I hit the ground running mm -hmm. because you know I I started performing there in '94. I went out there for a little trip, and and um, I don't know whom, whom I got in touch with. I got to know some people out there s somehow, and um, I, I got some bookings. And then when I actually moved out there in 98, it was like, bam, it was, you know, I, I just, I was able to do a lot of stuff. And that's how Charlene got the InSync uh, album cover on Celebrity. That, what is up with that? Yeah. So that's the final album of InSync before Justin Timberlake went solo. Uh -huh. And there's your face. It looks like it's Photoshopped in there. It's not. It's the real thing. <laughs> it's your face, giant center on the right-hand side. Yeah. Like you're a fan of these, of them, right? Well, yeah. That, the yeah. idea that we're all fans. Actually, the, um, the, uh, the um, photographer, uh -huh. unbeknownst to me, um, when, when, when that album came out and there was like the big, po uh, the, um, what you call it, the posters of it, yeah. they drew fangs. On you, yeah, on me. So it was, it was like I, like I was this vampire fan, but you couldn't see it on the album cover because it's just a, it's too small. a CD. But that was great. I mean, my agent, I had this wonderful agent out there, uh, and uh, she, you know, she, she, she got me. She really got me. She knew, she knew I was everything. I was, I was uh, everything that was good for me. And um, so she yeah. said, you know, that she said, I have, I have an audition for Charlene Unger for a boy band album cover. I'm like. 
what, what dinky ass boy band is this? And so I, I, Charlene went and auditioned, and 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 the cast. What was your audition like for just to be on an album cover? There, there was a bunch of people, yeah. and we just stood there. And of course, you know, Charlene always stands out because she. My name is Charlene Unger, U N G E R, from Berwyn, Illinois. And you know, <laughs> so you, so um, the, the, I you're very awkward, even for like you know, because there were other, was it all all drag queens? No, or was it just, no, not, not at all. Or just weirdos. I was the only person in who who I was the only man playing a woman. So you came in fully dressed yes, in character, as Charlene. and everybody else was just themselves. Themselves. I mean, there were some very yeah. interesting people, Okay, but um, still, themselves. Because so, like, I'm thinking like the ugly agency for, that cast a lot of the extras in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh. Um, they were like, we want some eccentric looking people, and so imagine that that audition was similar to that. Yeah, I mean, there, there were some yeah. normal looking people, but there, there were some older ladies okay. as well. But I mean, you know, Charlene just popped out. Anyway, so uh, I was told that I got, I got the gig. Mm -hmm. I thought, but only, it only paid like 250 bucks. And then it was at Sony Studios in Culver City, and I drove up there, and there was all the security. I'm like, what's going on here? And then I checked in. I said, <laughs> well, well, who is this for? They said, oh, this is for NSYNC. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So um, I was... Like, this is really quite wonderful. And um, I have these Charlene Unger postcards. And I, I always bring them with me. You know, a, a girl has to be a little bit of a, a PR fuck. Oh, yeah. And um, so I, I, I give it to the, the makeup people. And I say, you know, pass them out to all the NSYNC boys. And Justin didn't get one. <gasps> so Why just. Not? There were, I guess there wasn't enough. She kept, they kept, who knows, but Justin comes up to me a short time later, his hands clasped in prayer, right in my face saying, please, you have to give me, give me one of your postcards and you have oh. to sign it for me. And I said, honey, I'll trade you mine for yours. He said, it's a deal. And so I, I, I got Justin's autograph and, and he got mine. And then, um. Did he give you a little kiss? No, but they invited me into their trailer. Oh. Charlene, that is. In drag. In drag. <laughs> Did you do them all? Well, you know. Did you get in sync with in sync? <laughs> no, they took one look at her and said, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> I got in stink with them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, they bye, bye, bye. Thank you. Yeah. Did you go into their trailer? I did. What was it like? It was, did you do cocaine and, <laughs> and, 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 and other things? I did, I, I did a line off Jody's, uh, not Jody, off, Joey off, Joey's, off Joey Fatone, man. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, uh, no they, they were kind of quiet, and I think it was, was it Chris or one of the boys gave me the strangest, like, dirty look, like, what the hell are you doing here? And, but... But Joey seemed to like me. And uh, then when they did their, you know, their tour of that album, uh, after the album came out a, a year later or whatever, I went to the Rosemont, uh, what's it called? It's, it's not, it was the Rosemont All Horizon. Allstate Arena. Allstate Arena. And I asked Charlene, with the album cover that I blew up and, and laminated, and I had a, and I had a little film crew. <laughs> and so... Because I couldn't take the, the camera inside the arena. Right. You had so, to stand outside. Yeah. Outside, but we had all these girls. And then... Um, I was sitting pretty close to the stage, and then when they were out there, Joey saw me, and he stopped, and he waved, and he told the boys, look, it's her, it's her. So, so Joey Fatone was into you, but Lance Bass was in the closet at the time. Yeah, I don't think Lance— He was, like, avoiding you like the flag. I think so. Yeah. And Justin was very, very sweet. I mean, he didn't—you know, I, I never had contact with them after that. Yeah. I kind of—it would be fun, but I wonder if Justin would even remember— Oh, that, well, you could just you. draw a circle around his own album and say, that's me, and, and send tag him on Twitter. Oh, 
all, all this newfangled stuff you You're kids like, do. Kids. <laughs> Twitter is so new. Well, it's Twitter so so old that it's now. What is it? It's like people don't want to be on Twitter anymore. Uh, yeah, well, because of everything. It's else a right wing platform. Yes, you know? so yeah. like you might be better chances on Parlor. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke that will not mature very well. But oh yeah, <laughs> and so you know, I, I mean, you were on Oprah Winfrey show, so the Tu Wong Fu, yeah, yeah, the, the film Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar, and Cindy Lauper was uh, making an appearance she, on Oprah, he, and, and so they wanted Chicago drag queens, yeah, on there, yeah, that's right, they wanted Chicago drag queens yeah. because you know. Um, uh, Patrick Swayze, Wesley Snipes, and John Leguizamo didn't know that that Cindy Lauper was was going to appear. So it was it was a, it was a surprise for them. Oh, okay, that's what it was. So, so they were talking about sort of being drag film. queens for this movie. The, the film, yeah, because the film was about to be released. So then Cindy comes suddenly with these all, all these drag queens singing. Girls just want to have fun, and um, and I I Wesley took a shine to me. I must say. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we yeah. Is a granny chaser. <laughs> Yeah. In this case, it really does apply. It really does. Apply. Yeah. He came out, you know, because all then. then I've s- got a bottle of Pepsodent. <laughs> Fletcher's Castoria. <laughs> I got some denture cream in my trailer. Got some Ben Gay to rub on your achy joints. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it was uh, uh, Patrick Swayze took the role very seriously. He did take the role very seriously. And, and John, John Leguizamo, I think, did a wonderful job. I mean, he looks, them, they, they were at each other's throats. Really? Yeah. yeah like, uh, Patrick Swayze like this, you know, he felt he understood the the impact of this because and John Lewis almost like, you know, it's a silly movie, mm. you know, to some degree. And so he was clowning around. And uh, John Leguizamo said that both Patrick and um, Wesley Snipes were lifting weights until the last week. Oh, my God. So they had their, you know, action star bodies, wow. you know, while he was looking, you know, serving up a feminine Puerto Rican beauty. Well, and it was gorgeous. By the way, I have a story about Patrick Swayze being naked with me in the dressing room. What? Oh, oh, For oh, the oh, Oprah? No, no, oh, no. Later no. on. After I moved to Los Angeles, yeah. I was in these ballet classes with this mar- marvelous teacher. He just passed away. His name was Stefan Venta. And he, and he had a... <laughs> and he had a a ballet studio. Okay. And Patrick Swayze was a ballet dancer. And of course, I've danced for many years. This is before Dirty Dancing? Oh, yes. No, 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 no. It, this it, is after. This is this was probably around 2000. Okay. So long after Dirty Dancing. So people knew who he was. Oh, was oh he was. Star. And after he was a big Wong Fu. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. He, you know, he, you know, he was a big star. And um, so he and his wife yeah. took the ballet classes w- with me. And then there, there were just a, f- a few boys. We, even though we're older, we still, you're always called boys in ballet class. And um, there was this tiny dressing room, the size of this room that we're in, teensy. And so we're done with class and Patrick just takes everything off. You see his dick. Well, yeah, of course. Was it nice? Of course. All right. Of course. So I said, Pat, <laughs> you right. might not remember me, but I'm the old lady whom you were dancing with on an on, on Oprah show in 95. Oh, yeah. And of course, then his wife is in. Uh, she, we're, we're taking too long and chatting away in the buff. And his wife is at the curtain dressing room. Pat, Pat, come on, come on. I'm like, oh, don't worry. We're just talking. But I was like, I after he left, I was like, I was just Naked with Patrick Swayze. Wow. Yeah, and may he rest in peace. Did he manscape down there? Oh, the full bush, 80s bush? I was afraid. I, I, I couldn't let him know that I wanted to take a peek. But, you know. Well, you distract him. You say, oh, my God, what is that over there? And then you take a good look while he's looking. 
that's uh, no, but next he, time. I, I'm sure he was. He, I'm sure he 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 was he was well groomed. Mm. So did you like try to get him to lift you, like you know, like Francis? Do the fish pose? Yeah, or or it'd be like you know, nobody puts you know. Charlene Unger in the corner. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, so, and you're like, he's like, that movie was that's in the past. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, he he said he remembered I, whether he did or not. I don't yeah. know. You know, but God, God, God bless him for I'm being sure he remembered. Yeah, How I mean, could he forget a stunning beauty like Charlene Unger. Well, yeah, I have to admit, and uh, she, <laughs> and, and, and and she was wearing her her bubble outfit. It was this. Uh, a, 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 a sleeveless number yeah. jumpsuit that was like with all these big and you can see this bubbles. on YouTube but it's it's like uh, it's it's on YouTube you go yeah. to uh you go to Cindy Lauper Oprah okay and it's on uh, and I hope because I think uh, Oprah's people took it down at one point but mm. now that Oprah's not on the TV show anymore I'm, I mean who are they're cool cares? with it now yeah, yeah. yeah well yeah. she has her own YouTube channel so maybe she's getting some coin from it oh that she be. may be uh, doing like a, a copyright Thing. Oh. And then, and then, so she gets all the money that it makes from ads. If you oh. do that, oh, okay. Uh, you also developed a TV pilot with William Shatner. Star yes, <laughs> there was this uh, TV pilot yeah. called "Cooking's a Drag," and there was this national. What? <laughs> I have a po- I have an issue with that. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> really? So, so it was a uh, like a, like a, for a drag queen doing a cooking show yeah, with, and with the, William Shatner. Well, well he How was. I have not heard of this until now. Well, he was. What the show was? The premise yeah. was there was this drag queen named. The name was Betty Delicious, and she lived in one of those. Uh, what's it called? The Airstream trailers. Okay. Uh, outside of. Phoenix. And so she would invite celebrities to come into her trailer yeah. and show them, show the audience their favorite, their favorite recipe. So there was this nationwide search for Betty Delicious. And my dear friend, Greg Stegmeyer, who also went by the name of Vicky Spike. Yes, of course we know Greg. Yeah. He used to perform in the Feast of Fools yeah, shows sure. many times. Yeah, Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. And um, he called me and said, you know, there's this audition in Vegas for this Betty Delicious Charlene would be perfect. So I got a fly. I, I sent them uh, that time. You know, we, there was no DVDs. Right. It was all VHS tapes. So I, I FedExed my Charlene FedEx, uh, my, my, my tapes, and the very next morning they called me saying, "Oh my God, you have to come down. You have to audition." So I, I got a flight to Vegas and I auditioned, and and then they hired me to be to be Charlene Unger, to be like the Mrs. Kravitz to Betty Delicious, where I, I lived in the trailer next door and was always the nosy. It was always you know the nosy mm-hmm. neighbor, and so our first guest, uh, our first guest celebrity was William Shatner. And who was Betty D? Uh, Miss Richfield, nineteen eighty one. Oh, get the get fuck the out. hell yes. out of here! She That's sat like in that crazy. same chair that you're in. Oh, for God's sake! Yes. Yeah, yeah, played yeah. her saw. Oh, yes. Somewhere over the rainbow. Yes. <laughs> God bless her. That's such a great, what a, that, so that, was it filmed? Yes. They had a, so it's sitting somewhere. I, I've got a DVD of it somewhere. I would love to yeah. watch that. You know what? I had it. I you had to post that shit up on YouTube, honey. It's, it's on my CharleneUnger.com website. But my website is so old as I am. It doesn't am, play the video. It, it, I don't think it plays videos. I don't know if it does anymore. Oh my god! But I, I have the, the, the Shatner one. Then there was a, this Greek chef that um, I gave the Heimlich hug to, um, or he gave it to me. I should say. Did you spit something up? I tried to, but I don't spit. I just swallow the, the pit and all. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, uh, re- most recently, Leslie Jordan. 
beloved oh, comedian entertainer. Yeah. I was fortunate. Just passed away. Yes. There, there's rumors that there may have been foul play or something. Really? Yeah. I like, didn't know that. Uh, that basically, like, he, they were saying that he may have had a heart attack, but he yeah. may have been struggling with depression. But right oh, now, it's still inconclusive of how he died. Wow. Um, but he dr- basically ro- drove his car into a wall and yeah. died on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, which is a really heartbreaking end to somebody who brought so much joy and mm-hmm. happiness to so many people. And uh, I heard that Lady Bunny and mm-hmm. Leslie Jordan worked in a restaurant together. No. But I, so I caught, I was on the phone with Bunny about her because I said, hey, do you want to come on the show and talk about Leslie Jordan? And she was like, not really. And, oh. I, and I was like, I guess that this is a gossip, but she'll be OK with it. Right. She, right? She's not listening. She's not listening. Okay. <laughs> no one's going to tell her. Yeah. No one's going to tell her. But she said that Leslie Jordan stole a lot of bits from her. Oh. oh. So he was like, uh, yeah, back in the day, early, early in the day. Well, he he's like, yeah. He's but, you so know, creative. he became an original, obviously. Yeah, he's so creative. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you, know, you, you might have brought that up because I, I did his film, Lost in the Pershing Point Hotel, yeah. which uh, is a feature film that he had everybody in it. I mean, John Ritter, Mary Lou Henner, Michelle Phillips, Kathy Kenny, Shirley Ralph. Arthur Hiller, he he knew everybody and got everybody in this film, and it started off as a a, a play, a stage play in in Los Angeles, and they got this funding to make it into a film. And so uh, again, my wonderful agent said, "I have an audition for for Charlene," and um, I went there, and the character was called Miss Contessa, this drag queen who old drag queen, wheelchair bound drag queen who sits in front of the Pershing Point Hotel in in, in Atlanta and stands sentry. Uh, to 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 keep out the riffraff because there are a lot of druggies who live in that hotel as as Leslie was at the time, and um, you know Leslie was a druggie in the hotel. Yeah, so this film is a story of his oh, he's life. Playing okay, so it was a, a yeah, it was a biographical. Movie. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And he used to party hard. He used to party hard. Yeah. So I remember the audition. What kind of drugs were they doing at the time? Whatever. Probably cocaine. No, the they did something called quaaludes. They probably really did. Popular. Yeah, yeah. But what did, did you ever do quaaludes no. back in the eighties? No, I was a good girl. Well, what I have, are quaaludes? What did they downers. do? Oh, downers. Oh, and then you can take a quaalude with uh, you know, with a, with cocaine, so you get a speedball. Oh wow, that's right? a speedball. Oh, you see. take an upper and a downer at the yeah. same time. Yeah. See, for me, the hardest thing I ever did was was poppers in the seventies, and and that made my face turn redder than it is ever. Uh, you know, so uh, <laughs> and my face is pretty red all the time. So you know, I for those of you in our studio audience who don't know that I am a natural redhead. And so, oh really? You're a ginger. Oh God! Oh, you should see the pictures. I didn't know that. I I, I look like. I've always seen you as a blonde, you know. So. Oh well, as as I've aged, my hair is naturally blonded. But no, I I I my whole life I've been this this fire engine redhead. So that's how I that's how I identify. So now that I'm a blonde, I'm I have more fun. Porn? Yeah, I have more fun. Not really. No. No. You want, I, you, you want to do another take of that? No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun that we both said the same line at the same time. You owe me a Pepsi. Anyway, but just to finish yeah, the story, yeah. though, so I, there was this character that I auditioned for that um, I, I got cast in it as Charlene Unger, and, and it was uh, and, and and the voice when I auditioned, I did it in Charlene's voice. They said, "Can you do something different?" So I did it like that. And they adored it, so I got yeah. it. it. And uh, because you know she she's a drag queen, and, and and Charlene, when I play Charlene, I'm I'm a real woman in in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, but it was it was it was it was a thrill to work with him, and and they called me back for extra days of shooting because they started to write more and more scenes for me, and um, but it was I mean it was it was it was really a wonderful education to watch him work, uh, and and he was able to, you know to. 
to sort of show me how to be on film because I had never really done a, a feature before. Um, maybe some short stuff, but um, so that was, you know, and so that's that. But it was uh, it, it was a wonderful opportunity and experience. And, you know, you were struggling for a while sort of finding your feet as a as a person and as a, in your career. And then um, it, I guess most recently you did another film with a. Uh, Bruce Villanch. Yes, Richard Knight's Richard film. Richard Knight's film, Scrooge and Marley, yeah. which was sort of a retake on The Christmas Carol if Scrooge was gay. Yes, and, and, and David who do you Pesca, play in it? I play, oopsie, oh, I play one of the you three wise. You were in it. No, 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 I, I remember my main, the name of the character. Yeah. We were the three wise people. There was okay. Richard Ganung, uh, Fawzi Mirza, and myself. Uh, and we were the three wise men or the three wise people. Yeah. And um, I kind of did, did it like a sort of lot like a Sean Hayes ish sort of thing. Um, but it was not as Charlene. Because it, it seems no. like you've done a lot of stuff as Charlene Unger. And I've done a lot of stuff as, as me as well. As out of drag. Yeah. Out of drag. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was at Lyric Opera of Chicago for 15 years. I was the Norma Ray of the Opera House. I unionized with a few other actors. I, I, I unionized the actors at Lyric. Oh, really? Yes. So it was a two-year battle at, at the National Labor Relations Board, and they fought us pretty hard. But we won. And Congratulations. Well, actually, wow. And so, like, so I imagine the people that were, like, management there were, like, not too happy about that. Or Well, we, we were the only shop at the Opera yeah. House who, who weren't union. It makes yeah. sense that everyone's, that everyone's on the same sort of you know, same contract. Um, and so, you know, it makes things run smoother and it was also better for, for the performers. I mean, the, the pay rates, pay raise wasn't immediate, but over time it doubled. It was like, they're paying us like two or two fifty, two hundred 200 or 250 bucks a week. And we had to be there, you know, five days a week from 10 until six for rehearsal. Um, and then so it was not a living wage. No. Yeah. And so that at least made it a little bit better. And, and you get health insurance out of it yeah. and pension. And that's how. That's how the theater should be for everybody, um, especially you know corporate theater. Yeah, I mean, and Lyric Opera is yeah. is a, a humongous house. It's, yeah, and well funded too. It's well funded, and and it's a wonderful institution, and and I mean, you know, uh, it 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 only makes sense now that that it runs it runs like that. What do you say? You know, because uh, there's been a lot of um, businesses and uh, places that normally people wouldn't consider unionizing as a result of the COVID pandemic and just rising inequality. And, you know, I just hear a lot of like misinformation and people not understanding the value of a union, oh. uh, unionizing. What, what do you say to them about that? I have to speak I have to, to my lawyer first. <laughs> no. Um, well, if that's what they think, but yeah. um, that's not really very practical. What's the value of, of joining a union and why is it good for, for people? Because, you know, when people think about unions, they think about like, you know, the police union, which is not really a union. Or, mm. or then when they think about, you know, they have a very sometimes have a negative opinion about that. And that's a lot of propaganda. And I said to people, it's like, well, you know, you don't have to be part of a union to benefit from one. First of all, and, and then second of all, it's like, you know, the only pe reason people are forming unions is because they've run out of options. Right. I think as a, as a performer and yeah. an entertainer, it's essential to be part of a union because, first of all, you're being paid a, a livable wage. Mm -hmm. You work very hard. You know, I, I was a voice major in college, right. um, studied. I took voice lessons from the time I was uh, 11 years old 
started mm-hmm. studying voice seriously at 11 years old uh, throughout college and uh, still studying voice. And that's right. very expensive. And, and, you, and you devote so much time to perfecting your craft. Um, you have to learn all the time. And just like a doctor studies all the time, a doctor is paid very well event, you know, ultimately, and yet, mm-hmm. yet they expect singers in particular to, to work for free. You know, if you, if, if you play the piano, oh, here, you play the piano, we'll have to pay you. But if you're a singer, oh, no, you love to sing. You, we, we can't afford to pay you. Yeah. Um, and that is common. I've had friends who have been in bands and like every musician in the band gets paid. She doesn't get anything. Yeah. Yeah. But but I think so. But even with bands, there's a hierarchy. Like the drummer always gets paid, but the, like the bassist doesn't. Really? Or <laughs> something like that. Because oh. the drummer has to bring in this heavy equipment. With the bassist, the equipment's more portable, so there's more options. Mm-hmm. You know, and it and it is like you know, it, it, it's going back to the fact that in the United States, we just don't. Nobody really has access to healthcare unless they work certain jobs. And, you know, those jobs sort of interfere with the ability of a person to be an actor or a singer or a musician or a dancer. Well, and, and, and that, in, yeah. you know, in Europe, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's state-sponsored. They, mm-hmm. you know, artists make a living and are, are, are actually um, respected. Here, they're like, oh, yeah, he's an actor. Whoa. Yeah, and that's so unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And I think that the unions uh, established that you can you can be able to pay your rent and buy food, and if you get sick, you have health insurance. And when you get too old to dance or sing, that that you, you that you'll be taken care of. I mean, yeah, I mean, I I haven't I I don't have anything invested, unfortunately. In that so when my time comes, I'm going to be a ward of the state. Ooh, how exciting! Ooh. I, I, I maybe could, Batman will adopt you. Mm, I could be Alfred. Or, <laughs> Alfred. Or I could be Robin. Oh, well, then most recently, like I stumbled upon these videos on the Internet and you've developed an obsession with poinsettias. Well, you know, in sixth, yeah. in sixth grade, I, as Peter, was made class horticulturist by, by our nun. Emphasis on the horticulturist. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> and so, so you know a lot. Naturally, you know a lot about plants and growing plants yeah, and cuttings it, and stuff like that. That's, that's always been yeah. my biggest passion outside of, you know, outside of being on stage or, or, you know, or singing or performing. Um, and I was always fascinated with stuff that florists sold for so much money and thought, I want to do that. I want to unlock the secrets because with, you know, with poinsettias or poinsettias, as they say, there's no the right way to pronounce it. Poinsettia. The like, reason, there's a point to it. No, there's no point to it. So it's poinsettias. I'll tell you why. The man who discovered, who brought the poinsettia to this country, his name is Joel Roberts Poinsett. He was a doctor in South Carolina about around 18... 30s or 40s. Just like the crapper, the toilet was invented by a guy named Crapper. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So his name, yeah. So he, yeah. he was in central Mexico and he noticed that the churches were being adorned at Christmas time with these lovely red flowers. And so he found where they grow. He dug them up. He had, he had a greenhouse. You know, he, he was. Where did he find them? In central Mexico. In Mexico. Yeah. Okay. That's where they're, you know, that's where they're native to. Okay. And um, so he brought them to his greenhouse in South Carolina and grew them and they started to develop them. And so, uh, but it's, it's poinsettia named after poinsett. Um, but some of some of the old ladies call oh the wonderful panzietas, as I think it just it makes me giggle uh. when they say that. But it's, but there's <laughs> no point unless it's what's your point, Seta. So there. And, and 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 what's the secret to like growing poinsettias in your home? Because a lot of people they buy them at the grocery mm-hmm. store or a garden supply place for the holidays, mm-hmm. and because they bloom around this time of the year. Yes, and so they're associated with the with Christmas. Yes, 
And then once the holidays are done, it's they kind of go green. Right. Well, and so people keep them. And this is the, the heartache. I mean, I've noticed this with a lot of people. They, they will grow poinsettia. They will try to keep that poinsettia because they don't want to throw away any no. plant. And year after year, it just stays green. <laughs> it stays green. Well, yeah. you know, those plants are part of a group of plants called short day plants, mm-hmm. which means that they, they develop a hormone when the nighttime is longer than the daytime. And the hormone is called phytochrome. I'm giving you a botany lesson. And mm. this, this hormone um, establishes flowering. It encourages flowering. So uh, for like for chrysanthemums are, are short day plants as well. That's okay. why in, in the fall, and you see them in your yards in the fall. So the same thing with the poinsettia, that um, the, the, the secret to making it re-flower and to go red again. Well, and, and the red leaves aren't the flowers. Those are called bracts, B-R-A-C-T-S. Okay. Okay. And those are simply modified leaves that, that, will attract, that will attract pollinators. And the flowers, those little yellow thing called a cyathea. <laughs> it sounds so dirty. Um, and, and so these, um, so you, the poinsettia needs as bright sunlight as possible if you're, if you're growing it indoors. And I, I put them outside for the summer. Uh, and like on a south window is perfect. And then as of September 15th, once the sun sets, it can get no artificial light. So some people are told we'll put it in a closet. So they put the plant in the closet for three months and it's dead. It has to have bright light during the day, but right at sunset as of September 15th. Turn off the lights. Turn off the lights and don't put it in a room where it gets no light, um, which people. So even like the light, like the light bulb in your ceiling, it cannot get that. Absolutely not. Oh, wow. Yeah, you can, can, no artificial so, light. So you have to, you know, put it like in a storage unit. Or, or, or you can put a paper bag over it. Okay. You know, if, 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 it's, if it's small enough. Uh-huh. Um, but it needs to be fertilized heavily um, with a nice growth-producing fertilizer, high in nitrogen in the summer, and then mm-hmm. a, a blossom booster. Uh, you know, when it comes time to flowering, it, that's, the analysis is, is higher in, in phosphorus as, uh, as opposed to nitrogen, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but that's how you can make it reflower for you that's a, a wonderful and so what do you do like because i saw in this video you had like hundreds of poinsettias in your house well yeah i, I and i'm like are you selling them or like a side hustle or yeah i go uh, i there, there there's a little alley behind roscoe's and uh, that's a gay bar in chicago yeah uh-huh. I, I take my poinsettias and go hey you want you want to buy a point um but <laughs> unfortunately it's freezing outside so they all get frostbite but no 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 i don't do that um no i um i grow them under artificial lights in, in the summer i have them outside Mm-hmm. And um, and then as soon as it gets too cold, you know that th- they don't like temperatures below fifty. Um, so when it gets colder, I bring them uh, where I live now. I have a it's like under the front porch. It's like a long would be like a long closet okay. in the basement, and I have fluorescent lights, a lot of fluorescent lights, and then they do very well that way. And then you turn off the lights for like twelve hours, and then they bloom. Well, and then you bring them out. So yeah, well, not for twelve. Well, yeah, they they need about six weeks of that darkness to mm-hmm. to, to initiate flowering. So um, let's say, you know, I, I give the fluorescent lights to be the same length as daylight. So you know, it's, it's twelve hours. It's twelve and twelve. Um, September twenty second, the first day of fall, and then it gets less and less. So I mm-hmm. I, I gear it to that, and um, yeah, they. They you know, they respond really well. Um, and how old's your oldest poinsettia plant? Oh, 
Because they get quite large. Yeah, well... Well, like in Puerto Rico, like people plant them in the backyard and they, and they turn trees. into trees. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. they go you 30, 40 feet high. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. And, and so is it is it a flower? Is it a tree? What is it? It's a tree, but a it's it's also a shrub. Okay. Or a bush. If some people want, want to keep it trimmed. Um, but but it, it will grow huge if, if, if you let it. Mm. Um, and, and isn't that what we all want? Um, a big... And will Bush. it still flower when it's that big? <laughs> oh yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's it's, it's a flowering be tree. Then I'm going to Google some pictures. Yeah, as a matter of fact, in uh, in Burbank, California, where I also have an apartment, um, just about a block down, there's someone who has a poinsettia tree that they put in the ground when it was you know a, a gift plant, and that thing is 30 feet high, and it just sprawls out all over the place. It's really impressive. Well, it's interesting because like today, you know. Uh, Drag and, you know, theater and costumes is a lot more mainstream and everybody kind of has a side hustle and, you know, creating content on the Internet. Um, but, you know, for our generation, um, when we were bringing a gentleman caller at home, uh, you sort of like had to decide whether you were going to be out of the closet as a drag queen or as mm -hmm. a, a artist. Or, you know, you had to decide, am I going to hide all this stuff? And I imagine for you now, it's like. You know, do you hide the poinsettias for the? <laughs> or they're like, I'm a little concerned, Peter, about these plants. Well, you know, I grew them. This is the deal. Yeah. You know, I, I <clears throat> everything I plant grows. Even me. There was an episode of the <laughs> Twilight Zone. I maybe you call that episode. I'll, I'll make it real fast. There was there was this old lady who lived yeah. in this old house, and there was the modern guys who wanted to build a highway right where her house was, and she's I'm not selling. So. Um, they decided that, you know, they were going to knock her off and shoot her. Kill her. They're, they're, they're going to kill her. To so, get the property. And, but she knew about that. It's like the too hot episode of Up. The oh. Movie, oh, yeah. Where they, they, they build, the, the guy puts the house in balloons and takes off. Oh. But this episode, they just try to kill her. They try to kill her, but she knew yeah. that. So she, she was an avid gardener. Yeah. So, so she, she chopped off her finger <gasps> that night and she, and she planted it. Because she knew that they were going to come that night and shoot her. So they killed her. They so 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 they killed her, and then they came back the next morning to check, and there was her rocker. She was in a rocker chair going back and forth, and they saw these like roots coming out of something in the rocking chair, and then they turned around and there she was going. <laughs> Everything I plant grows, even me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I so see you came back to life. And that's what I want to be when when my time comes. Just 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 chop off my finger, finger, or my or my little toe, and plant or other appendages. Well. <laughs> Put them in the ground and see what happens. In, 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 well, yeah, I, I know it's going to happen. It's going to become a. That's a sequel to Up. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be called Down for sure. <laughs> Planted in the ground. It's so good to like catch up with you. And and you know, it's like I noticed that a lot of your um, content nowadays, especially on the internet, is like holiday themed. Because Charlene loves her. Oh, Charlene's into holiday. Christmas. Christmas and, and everything. You know, She's she, a junkie for Christmas. She is a junkie for Christmas. Well, you know, she. Yeah. Uh, one of my, uh, what I want to do with Charlene is to have like, like there's national whatever day, almost mm -hmm. every day. And that was my goal, maybe three times a week to post something. I have a wonderful video on uh, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram for National Bubble Bath Day, where Charlene is singing Don Ho's Tiny, oh, tiny I Bubbles. I didn't understand that. <laughs> oh, that's Easter, buddy. Yeah, you're always like doing something with the holidays. And I'm like, 
So, like, you live alone, or do you have a roommate? And they're like, um, Peter, uh, we need the living room. Well, actually, before, when I shot most of those guy? videos was yeah. during the COVID lockdown, and the roommates I had both moved out. No, actually, they, they were still living there. I take that back. But it was COVID, and I wasn't working, and my and my creativity was flourishing. So, so um, the pandemic was kind of good for you. It was fantastic. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that we had, we had to go back to work. Because yeah. I, I was doing really, I mean, I, I was, you know, we, we were getting, you know, the unemployment, which was not quite livable, but it was, barely. it was barely. I mean, I, I, I yeah. still had to max out my credit cards, but at least I, I could, I wasn't destitute. Um, and I was just, I was doing the things that for the past 20 some years I really wanted to do that I knew I, I must do. And so that's when I did, you know, the Easter Bunny video, which was, got like uh, 42,000 hits on that. Um, on YouTube. Yeah, on YouTube. Uh, no, on Facebook. It was on Facebook. Okay. On Facebook, yeah. yeah. And um, then I did... It is interesting, like, where you share the video changes how people react to it, you know? Yeah, I got, it seems Facebook got so many hits. Yeah. Where YouTube, eh, and, and, and Instagram, I don't know if Instagram has really caught on to me. Or, yeah. or Charlene, I should say. Um, well, you just got to post naked photos of yourself. Well, I could do That's that with Charlene. Like. <laughs> oh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Charlene after dark. Mm. I get a little horny when the sun goes down. Queef, queef, queef went the bell. <laughs> Why'd you come into my bathroom and we can drink a glass of wine? It has sparkling wine. You were, you were telling us before we started taping this podcast yeah. that the gay voice has changed over the years. Yeah. Well, so when you were young, what did a gay person sound like? Siblantinesses. Siblantinesses. Everything yes. was very, very, very precise. But it was it was still a more... It, it, you, 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 uh, the funnier part was, you know, if, if the person had a low voice, it, the person was bass and just talked like that. It was so interesting. And I created a character, Rance and Reese Wildemuth, identical triple threat twins from Sandusky, Ohio, who now reside in the East Village. And, uh, <laughs> and they have to be bass baritones. Bass baritones. And they have sibilantinesses. I had to go to speech therapy for that, for sure. Did you? Yeah, yeah, we all did. S's, yeah. R's, L's I had problems with. Oh. And so uh, how did it change over the years? Well... Uh, for some reason, they all became high tenors. Okay. You don't see many these, and 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 they're very very skinny, you know. Um, and 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 it became very nasal. And um. Yes, Mama, work. Come on. Yeah, like I, that. Well, yeah. It's it's. Hey, up, girl. Up there. What's up? And they, how do you? And they, you know, it's very, it's very well, it's very well enunciated. And but there's no more sibilantinesses, and no. so I'm, I'm wondering. You know, it's sort of like you follow the you follow the language of your culture. Sure. And uh, I'm I'm not Our saying our culture anything. is now Kim Kardashian. There you go. Yeah. Well, there you. Go. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, 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 I'm not poo-pooing anyone for talking no. that way because I'm sure people have looked at me and <laughs> raised an eyebrow. Well, or two. I, I remember. Well, it's just interesting to see how the, how things change. You know, because yeah. now we talk about oh, they're gay clone, but like you had a gay clones in the '70s and the '80s, and you know, through the years, the gay clone has always kind of changed, but still, in some ways, stayed the same. Yeah, it's it's always a. A really unique, I shouldn't say really unique, it's always a unique way of speaking that differentiates, that makes people know that person's gay, mm. which is, uh, you know, which, which is non-judgmental. There's, I mean, that's who you are. I mean, the, you know, hey, bro, you know, the guys at the gym, leg yeah. day, bro, leg day. 
Right you know, on. they, <laughs> yeah. Busted. Busted, bro. Hey, step bro, what are you doing behind me? <laughs> Let's grow big together. I call it the demon voice. Yes, yeah. The demon voice. Although I, I, I do run into like some guys who have that voice. Like that's how they talk yeah. all the time. Well, yeah. And they're like in their, they're 22 years old and they're like, Hey, how's it going? You know? And I'm just like, ah, oh, be gentle with me, pussy. <laughs> but it's fun to have, you know, it's fun to listen to how people talk and, and yeah, how they, yeah. how, you know, how they manifest their personalities mm. through their vocalism. And, you know, with those, the gym bros, they're, they're, with the base of their tongue, since I was a voice major, they're, they're depressing their larynxes. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so, um, you know. If, if well, why don't you just butch, if, if you get more dick by butching up your voice, then, and you want them more dick, then why not? I mean, you know, you used to do those phone sex things in the yeah. 80s to hook up and be like, hi, yeah. my name is Charles Unger. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Bruce. Now, Bruce, no one's named Bruce anymore. I yeah. know. That's a shame. It's terrible. Yeah. Got associated with gay people. That's why. And the parents are like, no, I'm going to name my boy. Troy. Troy and 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 Sean Cody. What are all the gay boys called now? Everybody's called Sean Cody, Sean or Cody oh, or something. Yeah. And they, they're basically like porn stars, and the birth names oh. tend to like you know dovetail to each other. And part of that is you know because the people are naturally attracted to the vigor and the the, the robustness of youth, mm. right? And so the porn stars are changing their names to be whatever names are popular at the time that they. You know, so you go like 20 years into the past, and that's basically like the common porn star names. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's a theory that I observed. It's a hypothesis or a theory? It was, it's based on uh, something I observed. Oh. So it's, uh, it's a theory. Huh. I haven't proven it. Porn stars take baby names of the current age. I is that so, what it yeah. is? Yeah, and trans men take their names from porn stars. Trans men. I well, think so. uh, but there's like a few. like those a lot oh, yeah. of Sebastians. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful name. Though. And which is like from the never ending story. Sure. <laughs> Bastion or Sebastian. Well, all the trans guys for a while, they were all like Aiden, Caden. Yeah, Aiden, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Waden, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those are a lot of porn star names. And part of it is, you know, because the gay porn is very popular with uh, heterosexual women. But number one's consumer of it. Not gay men. Gay men don't consume, don't buy the gay porn as much as women do. Really? And so all the gay porn companies. There's more women out there. There's just more mm. per capita, right? There's more. So for, you know, if we're five or 10%, uh, we're five or 10% of the, of the people with money that are willing to buy this product. Right. Mm. And so if you're wanting to run a successful business, you have to always be thinking, and even this podcast, you know, like, does this make sense to somebody who isn't LGBT or is like, what's the angle that appeals to them? Now, with I think with online media and content, actually, you do better when you uh, target it to a specific audience, and that is limiting it to a certain number. But in the past and historically, and when you're running a business, you want to, as many customers as possible. So a lot of gay porn companies, um, unconsciously or intentionally, uh, market their videos to women wow. by having women in the videos sometimes. And so, like, mm. if you go to like, uh, you know, Sean Cody is a good example. Or, uh, oh God, I don't even know the names of these companies, but you go sign in and there's women in these gay porn videos. And I'm just like, what's she doing here? <laughs> you know, and the thing about it is today, you know, as much as like we think about our identities as sort of fixed, they're very malleable and they're very evolving. And so a lot of young people today are queer, uh, non-binary, uh, you know, 
pansexual. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a very uh, different approach to defining themselves that we did. Mm-hmm. And everybody is something today. Mm-hmm. Like uh, there was a study done of British youth and like the majority are something other than cisgendered and heterosexual. Mm. So, you know, it, it just goes that we're all connected on some deep level, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you, you sort of like, you don't want to be like denying somebody's identity because they're saying, well, you know, 30 years ago, something else. So now you just, you just can't make up your mind, but to be a young person is sort of to explore who you are and discover that. And so that's why like young people today are more comfortable with being non-binary than they're comfortable being cisgendered or, or trans, you know. That's true. Yeah, you you don't have to uh you don't have to conform. And you can, that's you know, nice. be a tourist and say I want to live here, you mm. know. And therefore you move there, you mm. know. It's like that's the only way you're going to find out who you really are is is by exploring who you are. You know, and unfortunately like for our generation, uh, a lot of, you know, gay men said they were bisexual as a way of sort of like tip tipping their toes yeah. into the waters. That's yeah. And so at the cost of actual bisexual men who are like, well, also I'm not opinion. just a, yeah. a, the, you know, a comfortable place for you to be. So you're comfortable with yourself, yeah. you know? Well, also too, you're young, you're horny. You're just like, you know, whatever, sometimes yeah. t- whatever moves. Yeah. <laughs> and then after a while you're like, Oh no, this is what I like. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and even like, you know, drag, like, a, you know, I, I was saying like there was a lot of more people who think about like Coco Peru, uh, Miss Fuzi mm-hmm. and you um, are artists who are very well known for their drag creation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they don't think of themselves as drag queens. They, mm-hmm. they think of themselves as artists, comedians, entertainers, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, auteurs of the theater arts. And the drag is something that happens to be one of their projects yeah even if that project is tends to dominate what they do well you know i i think of dame edna yeah i mean barry humphrey's Barry's creation Humphrey. yeah i mean he's he's definitely heterosexual as far as i'm told yeah and um, i believe him yeah, yeah. I, I do too and but he's yeah. but he you know he's created other other characters and in you know in in england they they've done very well but dame edna everybody knows and loves mm-hmm. and um it's you know and it's interesting that how why people are putting down drag queens when you think of you know the wonderful artists such as as Dame Edna and uh, and and when Flip Wilson did Geraldine and what you, what see, you see is what you get <laughs> and, and even Martin Lawrence the devil made me do it wasn't that wasn't that so brilliant oh yeah. wonderful that was my introduction to drag was Geraldine ah, yeah. Yeah, they even had like merchandise, you know, it's like, you know. You had a uh, Geraldine doll, I think, yeah. or a pillow or something. Really? Yeah. And, you know, like even uh, in the 80s where Charlie Nunger was born, you know, we, through the COVID pandemic, Mark and I um, bought the whole series of Dynasty from big first season to the last season. And we've been watching it. Mm. And we're just like, this show influenced so many queer people. Mm that came of age in the eighties. Like we even know somebody who talks like Joan Collins all really? the time. Really? A man. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, darling, how's it going? <laughs> you know? And I was always like, you're from Wisconsin and you sound like, you know, a tra- have a transatlantic aristocratic accent. <laughs> Where, what the, well, it's just, I went to theater school, darling. And I was like, no, 
You watched Dynasty <laughs> endlessly. We didn't know that at the time. Well, I, I just now put two and two together. Yeah, this year through the COVID pandemic. He's like, that's why he talks like that. Oh, my like, God. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, even the facial gestures, it's all Joan Collins. Does he look like Joan Collins? Uh, a, little a little bit. bit. Really? Yeah, a little bit. He's, oh. he's I think he's, the he's, face. he's shaped his face so much to look like it. Cheekbones, the chin. The... Really? He's had surgery? No, no, just, no. Oh, oh, oh. Just through the, uh, if you, you know... Uh, people that uh, imitate speak, something. That if you imitate something so much, so you're gonna start to look like it. Oh. That's why you know they can often tell like if somebody is like you know an Asian person, are they from Asia or are they from the United States? Because you're socialized different, mm-hmm. and so you have a different smile, and so that's gonna affect your muscle structure and everything mm. like that. Yeah, yeah, and like even when people live together, like Mark and I have been together for twenty ages, years. you know. Uh, uh, uh. And, and, you know, even the, those AI filters and stuff, mm-hmm. like the, mm-hmm. the AI doesn't even know who is who. Mm-hmm. And Mark like was looking. One picture, I was like, this looks like you in this picture. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, my God, we don't even know who we are anymore. We've lost our identity, mm-hmm. you know. Have you, have you ever thought about running our Shirley Nunger through the AI filter? <laughs> have you seen that AI art thing? I have. I, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm amazed at how people look. Yeah, I've seen some drag queens like Sarah Andrews, yeah. uh, who's a, a trans performer. You might have seen her and uh, heard her on this podcast or on like the Bouloy Brothers um, Dragula. And sh- they just, just, you know, she has some fierce looks. But when the drag queens put their stuff through that, I mean, it's just some of it's really phenomenal. Bitter Betty is yeah. the, her yeah. name on really? Dragula. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I, I don't want to be pretty. I mean, well, it's not about being pretty. You know oh, what I mean? phenomenal. So, yeah, you know, she did some horror drag. She does oh. pretty drag, but she also does fantasy, horror, cosplay stuff. And so, I mean, this was really just, I mean, her stuff is wild. And I'm an artist. I like weird things. I like the weirdness that AI makes. Like, mm-hmm. the eyes don't quite look right. The, the hands get all distorted and fucked up, you know? And it has a Cronenberg, the thing, you know, monster from outer space morphing into different things, quality to it that's very exciting. Uh, the, the drawback of that is that, you know, anybody who's posted images of themselves on the internet and not um, gone through the extra steps of preventing them from being indexed by search engines and crawlers is inadvertently uh, having their content stolen to create these databases that create this, this kind of magic and they're not getting any money for it, you know? And, you know, so uh, I think like there's a lot of debate over AI art happening right now that is um, sort of being misunderstood as uh, you know, the dangers of new technology, but you know, new technology always put artists out of work and there's always going to be theft taking place And I think the problem is that right now, politically, there's just not a lot of protection for these artists. Now, however, ASCAP and BMI have entered the conversation and they say, (laughs) now, wait a minute, AI. We have powerful lobbies. We have a lot of uh, technology on our side and we are going to put a stop to this kind of shit when it hits music. And so my feeling right now is that it's not this unstoppable pop songs. Yeah, of course. It's already happening. Yeah. Really? Yeah, absolutely. How's, yeah. Oh. I, AI can write lyrics and create chord structures, and I'm sure it's being used already to create pop songs. The thing about it is, it's like the the danger of AI is that if it's if you're saying build a pop song in the style of an artist, does the artist have some right to claim to it? And right now, our laws and our ability to protect people's copyright interests or our livelihoods isn't keeping up 
with this new technology. So, you know, it's exciting. It's dangerous. It's scary. It's the Terminator mm-hmm. coming to kill us all, mm. you know, but it, instead of the Terminator being a sexy Arnold Schwarzenegger with a machine gun, it's a goofy version of you that people might like better mm. and might want to be friends with the, your artificial intelligent version of yourself other than yours. Well, you know, take that one step yeah. in another direction. What about, you know, Brendan Fraser in the last film he did, he gained the whale. The whale. Yeah. All that weight. I mean, that's horrible for your, you know, for We had a fat body. suit on too. Oh, he did. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's a controversy. You know? yeah. I, I was, I, I, I yeah. didn't see it yet. So I did, but yeah. I mean, thinking, but other actors. Yeah. Have, people are like, he should have gained all that weight. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and there's 600 pound actors being like that. Uh, that role should go to a 600 pound person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, still it's like it, it, it that would allow you to do roles that you physically maybe not, not mm. be able to do. I mean, you, so I don't know. Well, that's happening yeah, right now with um, uh, certainly the Avengers and the Marvel universe. A lot of these actors, you know, they are developing their bodies to a certain extent for the roles, but they are using a lot of software and a lot of technology yeah. to augment the way they look. Like they think mm-hmm. like Thor and love and thunder, like when they, he gets stripped naked by Z- Zeus, they're like, that's his, ro-. that's not Chris Hemsworth's real body. That's mm. digitally enhanced. And the way the human mind works, uh, you know, what we see isn't necessarily what's really there. Mm. Our brains um, scan the room and to some degree, memory takes a lot more of a role in what we're looking at than we realize. Mm. So uh, as Geraldine Flip Wilson said, what you see is what you get, but not necessarily all the time. Because if you look at a bunch of your AI pictures... Uh, you know, a challenge to the listeners out there. Look at your pictures, look at them, look at them, and then go look at yourself in the mirror. And it's kind of like you see a bit of that AI in the mirror mm. back at you. Mm. It trains your brain to really? think about yourself. But that way. see, that would be good for like psychoanalysis. And it's very um, disconcerting so? for people who are struggling with their, their physical, like trans people who are yeah. struggling with their appearance. And I don't know if it's like benefiting them or harming them to some degree, but that's for them to discover but you know if, if, yeah. if you see yourself in this wonderful really attractive beautiful way that that you that you know you look in the mirror and you go oh that's me but no. then you see this and you go i'm gonna feel this way about myself you can actually see yourself being transformed in, in into this mm-hmm. really beautiful uh, well, version of yourself uh, yeah well they said marilyn monroe used to do that she used to be able to walk down the street and then she's just like I'm going to bring out Marilyn. Oh. And then she would just like take off her handkerchief or something, do something with her hair, fix her glass, and then just walk a little different way. And then people are just like, it's Marilyn Monroe. Mm. So she would get ignored. She would get ignored. And then she would yeah. do like a little something. She'd, she'd do that. She'd perform this for people. And, and she, they were just like, it was amazing to watch mm. her transform into something. And she didn't really have to do much physically. What's really interesting is a lot of the Rue girls mm-hmm. are all against it. Are against the AI, oh, oh yeah, yeah, uh-huh. they're all like, they're. <laughs> well, we're not going to need them anymore. We're going to just yeah. have AI drag queens. Yeah, that, that's the thing about it is, and, and you know, so the future is really like someone like Misunderstood, who's my friend, who has this brilliant creativity, and she and her friend John Q. Sanchez, they go back and forth and come up with ridiculous scenarios, and then dump that into the AI engine. And create this like hysterically funny thing that would never in a million years happen. Mm-hmm. Like Carol Channing guest starring on Star Trek as the Borg Queen. <laughs> you know, and to me, I'm just like, it, it, it's so, it's like resistance will 
it, it's it's futile. John John Luke, you're gonna be part of my collective now. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> And that to me, you know, we've done doing this podcast for 22 years. We have wow. extensive audio recordings of Carol Channing, of uh, Golden Hollywood's uh, Princess Debbie Lake, Reynolds. Debbie Reynolds, all these really interesting people, uh, uh, you know, George Takei. We could then dump that audio footage into AI in a very near future and create new podcasts with, you know, Carol Channing talking about. You know, you know, anything. Getting fucked in the ass. I got fucked in the, the ass. ass. That's <laughs> the right. Ass. It was, well, it was my rectum. I had to lubricate it first. Oh, it was He wanted to use yeah. to spit. I said, oh, no, you and, don't. And I fell for that once. <laughs> and to me, I was like, it's funny and it's it's, it's comical, yeah. but it, it also can be used to manipulate people the same way that social media has been used to manipulate people to vote against their own interests, to become mm -hmm. more conservative, mm -hmm. to become, uh, you know, believers in conspiracy theories and and so it is a very exciting hilarious scary mm. ugly beautiful times we live in mm. charlene unger mm. in a nutshell <laughs> <laughs> just don't crack that nut <laughs> or spread it around what are your holidays going to be like what are you doing for the christmas season well you know i one yeah. of my other things i do is i play santa claus <laughs> merry christmas are you a little skinny to be santa i pad i stuff Really? Always padding. Always pad. Oh my god! I is it the same ass for Charlene as it is for Santa? No, I, like, I'm not going to give away the, the secrets of Charlene's ass. Okay. But um, no, for Santa, I, <laughs> I, I, um, I have a, a down bomber jacket. Then I put a pillow inside of that. Then I have it's like this umpire's vest that's that's quilted, that's red, that's for Santa. And then I have from Home Depot. I have those um, um, the tool belts. You know yeah, that, yeah, that that have those pockets in them. Excuse me, and then I have um, like foam in the pockets, and I put them to, to give them, to, to give me a nice wide Santa ass, um, and so um, it's very hot, and I sweat horrendously. Um, so you're like Bruce Vilanch in Hairspray. He lost weight doing that role because he was sweating yeah. under his suit, so thought, he had to put on a fat suit for the first time in his life. Thought about ice packs or anything like that. I wish. Well, you know, I also have played the Easter Bunny on many occasions, and and that that head is something fierce. So I I have a cold. I used to put a cold washcloth in the back of my neck when I was Easter Bunny. I do that waiting table sometimes when it's super hot. Do you? It's, yeah, wet handkerchief or something. Just I'll put it with ice cubes. Sometimes I just stick an ice cube in my collar. Oh, that's oh, <laughs> they, that's smart. But yeah. yeah, unfortunately, I wish I could do that with Santa. But no, I did, I had a Santa gig yesterday that I I lost two pounds, which is I mean for someone who's don't thin, die for Christmas. I know. I'll, well, I'll I'll save that for Easter. Yeah, not on <laughs> Christmas. Look, mother, it's just like Christmas. <laughs> Santa's dead. Well, I, I mean, are you uh, thinking about like bringing Charlene Unger back to life? In yes, physical. Yeah, I, I you know, space after, somewhere after I mean, the holidays. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm reinvigorated. Um, are you finding your second, third wind? Well, it's my, Fourth, maybe fifth, my, 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 my 280th wind, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I want to do a lot more. Um, um, uh, you know, I, uh, I'd, I'd like to post a lot more. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just that, you know, it's hard to get into makeup and everything and, and to set up the video equipment and, uh, my little studio in the basement where I had was, is now just full of junk that I have to clear out. But yeah, you'll be here. It's a lot of work to do this stuff. And a lot really of people don't realize that. Like, you know, even just doing this podcast, like we're, 
you know, it's, it's there's a lot of clutter when it comes to creating art. Mm-hmm. And everybody sees the front of the camera. They never look the behind the camera. When we were, uh, there was a, there was a, um, a, a company was doing a feature story on our 18 years of podcasting. And um, I, I turned to my friend Jason who was taking these pictures and I said, why don't you just turn around and show the clutter? Like, mm. just have a sit down in the mess. And it's a it's a really fascinating photo of, of Mark and I just sitting there. Oh, I love that. With, you know, boas and stuffed animals and, you know, it, tri- broken tripods and bul- light bulbs and all, you know, piles of mail and, you know, bells and whistles and Christmas ornaments and all this other stuff. And, 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 you know, part of it is just, we don't see or celebrate or feel comfortable sharing that ugly part of us. Hmm. But that's the, that's the part the AI erases and throws out. And to me, it's like, well, maybe in the near future, that's the the part, the human side of ourselves that the computer will never be able to replicate. Oh, I think the computer doesn't know what ugly is. I think it's trying to give us what we, what it thinks we want to see. And that's not necessarily what we, what we say we want isn't necessarily what we do want. But you know, it's we who created the AI. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't do shit. Oh, well, I mean. It's a reflection of us. Not personally, but yes, it's a reflection of us. But, you know, it's a reflection. And, you know, to me, it's like technology can, you know, databases can be racist. Uh, Mm. They can be prejudiced. Uh, databases can be egalitarian. They can be to better humanity. It's it's made by people and it's going to have our flaws. And so, you know, the near future is going to be really exciting and interesting because you have those, for example, those Instagram filters that make you into a pretty lady or a frog mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. A, a, a fireworks talking or something mm-hmm. like that. And as that gets more and more sophisticated, you know, the potentials to being Charlene Unger grow limitless. So huh. it's a very exciting near future mm. that in the next two to five years we'll be living with where everybody's going to be shortly younger. Oh, no. Oh, I'm every woman. It's all in you and me and it's us. Me and you. <laughs> Them. you are her and I am she and they are what? And, and now, now I'll be a, 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 a non-binary Charlene Unger. Yes. I'm non-binary. How does, how does she come out as non-binary? <laughs> I will <laughs> I'm I'm non-binominational. Oh yeah, because she's uh, she's uh, from from Berwyn, and she has Republican and Democrat neighbors. Yeah, yeah. So she yeah. has to get along with all of them. And she's also president of the uh, past president of the Altar and Rosary Society at Our Lady of Hopeless Cases Parish. <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember, folks, Feast of Fun is made possible because of fierce, fabulous people just like you. We have thousands of unique, one-of-a-kind interviews with legends. Artists and entertainers, LGBTQ folks, uh, in their, living their everyday lives, making the world a better place. And you can access them ad-free by going to feastoffun.com slash plus or follow us on Patreon, patreon.com slash feastoffun. Or maybe you'd like to make a one-time donation, stuff our stockings for Christmas. You can do that at feastoffun.com slash donate. You know, Santa said I was really naughty this year yeah. and he's giving me coal in my stocking. Ooh. Ooh. But I don't care because as long as it's hard and hot, yes. I'm happy. And you burn. can burn it, burn. <laughs> oh. It's Charlene, where can people follow you? Are you on the Instagrams, the Twitters, the uh, Facebooks? Oh, yeah. On the Instagram. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 
on the ins- uh, <laughs> Yeah, hey bro. Hey bro. Hey, <laughs> yeah, you know, this <laughs> this dame I got next to me. Wow, she is so hot. This old lady that, well, I look at her through the window uh, as I do legs. No, anyway. <laughs> it's as- Charlene Unger. Charlene Unger. Instagram, yeah, there's 411. There's Charlene Unger 411. There's also the the Charlene Unger is another website, another Instagram site we developed. We're um, we're in the process of, of creating a, of developing a, a sitcom for oh. for Charlene. So that's that 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 uh, Instagram page is sort of tied into little little smaller segments of what I have already on my Charlene Unger 411 Instagram channel. There's uh, charleneunger.com. If you could if 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 the old uh, if that old format will even play the videos anymore, but you can see Charlene's bio and pictures. There's um, on Facebook, there's Charlene Unger. Um, on YouTube, there's Charlene Unger. It's also under my name, Peter Mohawk. Um, and then you just press videos and you'll see all the Charlene stuff because Charlene is so much more interesting than I am. I'm, you know, being an old lady has its merits. Now, is this wig you're wearing the same one you got from your grandma? What's that? Your wig? Is it the same no, one? No, when you no. When you dressed up as a crown. No, no recently, yeah. that wig, that's that's the only wig I have, actually. I, I bought that wig in 1982 on a, sh- a shop on State and Madison in downtown Chicago. You've been wearing the same wig for 40 years. Yes. I've had it. How do you keep is it, it fresh? Is it hair? No, no, it's acrylic. Or whatever it is, whatever that and product is. How do you is. care for a wig for forty years? I ha- I, I shampoo it. I, I take it to. A, uh, I used to take it to the the wig people for, at Lyric Opera of Chicago. They oh, this one this one uh, wonderful wonderful wig mistress, Dawn Dudley, who lived in Berwyn, um, <laughs> who who now lives in Los Angeles, and uh, she did a magnificent job with that wig. She re she she refurbished it and yeah. and added a little stuff in front, so it it looks like the hair is act. It looks like there's actually hairs that are being you know, combed back. Oh, um, she got a lace front on it. Uh, it's well, it's 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 not quite a lace front. Yeah. Uh, because then I have to use glue and and put makeup. But it it uh, I it, it attaches really nicely. It looks like the hair is it's so she's right like d- worked on it, added pieces to it. She's added pieces to it. Oh wow! And then um yeah, so it's a good luck. What happens if that wig gets lost? I will kill myself. <gasps> Seriously, we can get another wig, Charlene. Oh, I don't know. But 40 years. You have to do a, a crowdfunding campaign. Like Coco Peru. <laughs> yeah. Although Coco Peru has now added a uh, little strip of white to her wig. Oh, really? Like, oh, yeah. these drag queens. It's like, the thing about it is they're never happy with one thing. They're always like. She's gotten by with that addicted. one wig for 40, almost 30 some years as well. So. But she changes her like dresses all the time. Well, you, you know, can and change it, your dress. Yeah. And, and she's p- always six, that 60s kind of. Look, though. Yeah, but I mean, well, that's with Charlene. She's 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 kind of stuck in in that period, uh, the early seventies and late sixties. But that's because you know when, when she was performing in, yeah. in Vegas, and you know that that was her heyday. Mm-hmm. Um, well, a lot of queens that came up during the eighties, like they they borrowed that sixties kind of look. Ah. You know, I think it's kind of what you kind of looked at when you were a child. Yeah, or what exactly. You saw in old magazine, you're like, this is it, this is it. And then also too, you know. The cut is kind of flattering because you don't have to, you know, you don't have to pad in some of those things. Yeah. Like if you're dressing like Joanne Worley, you're just, (laughs) you know, it's going to have a wide bottom and (laughs) narrow top. But also, you know, a lot of these people who came of age, they watch shows like The Cher Show, Sonny and Cher with uh, Bob Mackie and uh, um, Dynasty with uh, designer Nolan Miller. Um, And certainly, um, uh, you know, these people had a camp aesthetic that when you saw the costume right off, you were just like, it was hilarious. And 
and gasp inducing, right? And so, you know, like we've been watching Dynasty and it seems like Joan Collins and Linda Evans in every scene have a new outfit. In the third, fourth, they fifth season. They don't seasons. ever wear they never they don't wear recycle it outfits on television. Mm. Ever, ever. Ever. Most people, no. <laughs> and it's always like just this crazy, hilarious uh, things that they have them wearing is, is, is just worth it alone, you know? Maud recycles. Maud does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm well, addicted to Maud. Class. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's who she was. Yeah, that's yeah, a whole yeah. different. So she was she, she she was a homemaker. Yeah. So you she shouldn't have different outfits every day. Yeah. And um, for sure. Did you ever even, like, like hang out? The, the yeah. you know on 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 Gilligan's Island, the the millionaire and his wife, they always had new outfits. I know. Isn't that isn't that a, isn't that fabulous? That's wild. Did you ever like uh, it, back in the day where you guys like this is from Halston or did you ever try to make like costumes that look like Halston or Bob Mackie or no- Nolan Miller or anything like that? Or? I did the opposite. You know, I yeah. wanted to have stuff that looked like something that my mother would wear. It's off the rack. Well, off the rack or just, you know, uh, that yeah. was a McCall's pattern number 104. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you guys ever like watch Dynasty in the gay bars the way that people today watch uh, RuPaul's Drag Race? <laughs> Not me. I was always yeah. busy rehearsing and doing shows. Okay. Seriously. And so you never had time to watch, to get obsessed with the TV show. Well, I would watch the TV shows, yeah. but I mean, I wouldn't go to the bars to watch them. I mean, you know, if you watch the reruns, I guess if you could do that. But I mean, I was, I, I was never, st- I never stopped in the eighties and nineties. It was, it was always, you know, I, I was, it was showbiz. Yeah. And, and you're still not stopping. No, I'm still not stopping. I have a, I know that that's true. Yeah. You're right. <gasps> Don't stop. Till you get enough. Mm. When and en- enough is never enough. Well, you know. <laughs> never say never. Never say never. Oh. And <laughs> I'm trying to go into a James Bond thing, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Diamonds are forever. Charlene Unger, Peter Mohawk, thank you so much for taking time out. I mean, during the holiday season, you're literally you're ho ho hoing it all over the place. All over the place. That's true. I, I just ho ho hoed at a at a, at a at a church this morning. In the in the in the in the, in the, in the, in the, in the church school basement. Yeah. And 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 now I have yoga. Yo- oh, you're going to yoga class? Yes, I'm going to yoga. Well, we got to wrap this oh, up wonderful. so you can take to your yoga. Thank you so much, Charlene, Peter. Thank you for having me. This was an absolute thrill, a treat. Happy holidays to everyone. And uh, Charlene gives her best. You know, she has her homemade Christmas kolachkis. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> and especially the prune ones will keep you healthy all year. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye.